This is Founders Talk, an interview podcast hosted by me, Adam Stachowiak. We profile founders building businesses online as well as offline. If you found the show on iTunes, we're also on the web at 5x5.tv slash Founders Talk. If you're on Twitter, follow Founders Talk and me, Adam Stack. Today's guests are Alan Branch and Stephen Bristol, founders of Less Everything. Enjoy the show. I'm here with Alan Branch and Stephen Bristol, founders of Less Everything, good friends of mine, and I'm proud to have them on the show. Less Everything is a products company. They also do uh, Rails consulting, interface design, and conferences as well. But let's start off with the proper introduction of each of you. So I guess, Alan, you can go first, and Stephen, follow up after him. Sure. Sure. So I am Alan, and I do... But why don't, why don't I introduce Alan, Alan can introduce... Oh, excellent idea. Do it. All right. So uh, I'd like to introduce my business partner um, and, and sometimes lover, Alan Branch. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, we, we actually, um, he's a designer by, uh, that's his primary role in the company, designer and user end of things. And, um, he's, he's a very gentle and tender lover. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do because of the pain that Adam caused him when Adam raped him years ago. Oh, um, but, um, but that's, that's Alan. Great, great guy. One of the best designers, um, in the industry by far. I agree. Okay, you ready? I'm going to do Steve. Do Steve. Hailing from Los Angeles, California, he's quick, he's agile, it's Steven the Crusher Bristol. Woo! <laughs> How's that? That's a phenomenal intro. I love it. And so Steve... Oh, that's the crowd. So Steve, who is my, other, my better half besides my wife, Actually, mm-hmm. make that look. That'd be thirds, then, wouldn't it? It would be thirds. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not good with fractions. I'm uh, not good. With well, I think we're both big enough where we can have two ha- three halves. Okay. Okay. That I think that's only. That's that metric system. Uh, I think that's the old British standard system. Okay. The, ro- the, the royal foot. Okay. Okay. So Steve, and to be serious, Steve actually makes all the technical decisions. Whenever uh, the server goes down, I say, "What, Steve?" Right, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So he is certainly my better half and makes all those decisions, and then we come together to make all the other decisions. Yep. Let's kick it off with talking about the the Primo product here, which is less everything. Let's talk about the the very first moments. I know you guys have a unique story. Let's talk about the very first moments of starting less everything. All right, I'll do it. Uh, all right. It was a it was a basically a posting on eHarmony. I said, chubby designer, seek chubby nerd to make beautiful web apps with. Right, right. Steve, Steve responded, magic happened. End of story. End of the story. End. The end. Done. Done. Interview I mean, over. I, I got it. Let's just Click. give props to, to eHarmony, right? The, the, the interesting thing that Alan omitted was that we both, that, that, that we had, he had the same blog, the same posting on um on match.com, which I also responded to. Well, Craigslist was more of just a physical thing, that posting. <laughs> well, let, let's bring out some of the, the real good nuggets here, though. I mean, Alan, you were a freelancer. Steve, you're talking you about your nuggets. Own, you're talking kind of about, like, like uh, the good you things. Know. All right, I'll be serious for a second. I basically <laughs> was... <laughs> <laughs> I just spit on my monitor. So... So um, I was uh, basically working with contract developers, and uh, in all seriousness, Steve found my website, and we started working together, and he was the only one that ever turned working on time, looked after my best interest on hitting budgets. I was doing things fixed bid. He was hourly. So realistically, in, in his, if he was looking out for himself, he would be trying to build me more hours, and, and he kept looking out for me saying, that's really not a part of the documentation you had written. The client didn't necessarily pay for that. You should push back on the client, which in turn made him less money, made me more money, and that was unusual. And you know, had good UI sense, a good business sense, and uh, and I enjoyed working with him over all the other developers I had, and uh, and so we kept working together. And then he left his full time job with the city of Jacksonville, and I think there was a month or a week or two or whatever we decided you know we were not together, and then we then we got married. All right. I just want to add to that that the, the interesting thing about Alan was that so this is 2006, and I had uh, just moved to Jacksonville, and I was um, 
looking around to see who was doing Rails work in Jacksonville. I was looking for a Ruby group. I was looking for something like that. And um, two hits came up. One was for a meetup that someone was doing a Rails presentation, which was uh, you know mediocre at best. And um, one was for Alan, who was in Birmingham, Alabama. And so when I sent Alan an email, the email was, hey, you know, I, I searched for Jacksonville and you came up. Are you in Jacksonville? Your website makes it look like you're in Alabama. And the reason he came up was because in 2006, Alan had already been SEOing for Jacksonville because his sister used to live here. Nice. Or she actually, she, at the time, she, just, she still did. And I was like, no, no, she had already left. You were still, it was still just residual. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, um, the the so so that was one of the interesting things is that you know Alan was way way ahead of the curve with just doing little creative things like he figured his sister was here so might as well SEO for there to see what's going on in Jacksonville and 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 if he hadn't have done that we, we certainly you know I mean we we may have met eventually although um, I mean the moral know. of the story is that SEO brings people together absolutely I couldn't agree more. So the company started in 2006, so we're 2010 now, the, 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 the company started in January 2007. That's when less everything started. Alan and I hooked up in 2006 doing this consulting work on this project. Um, to that January 2007, um, less everything was born. Um, I, I kind of started it on my own with just doing consulting work because I, I couldn't take it anymore. For like um, a week or two. Yeah, well, but let me also say that before... I started Less Everything in, in November of 2006. We started working on Less Accounting together without a before business. The company, yeah, before the company. Right, was. before the company. Without a business, without a, a um, contract. No, no paperwork. Yeah. Nothing. We just, hey, you know, we, we, we like this idea. Let's do it together. We came up with the name Less Accounting from there. Um, the, the, you know, I don't remember if, if I guess I came up with the name less everything and Alan and I started doing consulting work on the side well, rather full time. Uh, I started sending design work to Alan. It seemed clear that this was how it was going to be. And we said, well, see, maybe you say there, you, see, you make it sound like there's a lot more time when you were had less everything by yourself. And I think, no, no, was, no, 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 hear me out. I don't remember ever getting a check from you. I don't remember ever getting paid. Right, right, exactly. But what, what, but initially, and so so this is all happening in January, right? Early January two thousand seven, and we're talking about you know maybe in in um, six months or a year we'll we'll merge our companies, we'll we'll do something, right? We and um, one of the the funny things that happened was I had a buddy who was working for Microsoft, um, and he was in charge of like hiring consultants to do contract work, and so I thought I could get some some Microsoft work and um, get. Um, hire some some people to do that while I did Rails work to, just to bring in money. But I didn't have any design skills, so I asked Alan as a favor to put together a little website that so that Microsoft would think it's a legitimate company. And so he did that and then he started, you know, bidding out on some other stuff. And then very quickly, you know, by the end of January, early February, um, we had decided to get married and be business partners. And then Alan did another extraordinary thing, which was we had a conversation about, you know, what, what work had we, do we have outstanding from, from before we're merging, what work's coming up and who gets money, you know, how much money do we each have in the bank account? How do we put that all together? And Alan wrote me a check for something like, Ten thousand dollars, and he said, "Okay, here's here's a check. Go open the go open the the business. You know, or add this to the business accounts, and and you know, um, and the reason he did that was was because because uh, you know, obviously he became a signer on the account, so he then inherited all that money back and, and all the, the money in in um, not, before, not for a while though. Well, right, but that was just logistically because you weren't in Jacksonville sure. to come and right. sign. But um, what the, the really amazing thing about Alan was he sent me that check in good faith because he didn't ever want me to feel suspicious or doubtful. And so he said, rather than you send me a money, me money, and he'll open the account, he'll send me money, and I'll just put it in the account, the account I already had open. And so th- that level of trust and um, good faith really... You know, I mean, I already kind of had an idea of Alan's character, uh, and we had never met by this point, by the way. But but that was one of the, the the early things that really showed Alan's character to me, and showed what kind of outstanding you know person he really is. It's interesting you use the word uh, married. You know that you guys got married because you know oh, business yeah. partnerships are much like marriages. What uh, let, let's be a little bit more real with this. I mean, is it really like marriage? What is it that uh, 
Yeah, I mean, know, yeah, the, absolutely. Sex is terrible. Yeah, we sex fight. Is absolutely sex is sometimes, the, but the makeup sex is sometimes good. So that's true. Yeah, you know, we've been married now for over you know three and a half, going on four years, and so you know a lot of the spark is gone. Um, you a lot of anniversary. Anniversary. Do you celebrate anniversaries and stuff? No. <laughs> Send them we're, flowers, we're, get gifts. We're, dude, we're guys, right? We actually do give each other gifts. We do, but but not for like occasions. They're just like, oh, hey, I saw this thing that you like, that you might like, generally. So uh, what was it that, that you guys first hired employees? Like it started out with you guys, and it was how long was it just you guys? Uh, oh, I mean, we, we're we, you know we're doing contract work primarily. We're, we're splitting contract work and less working on less accounting, right? So uh, you know we always use the the money from the contracting to, to pay for the development of less accounting, and. Um, so we, we had contractors working for us, and you know, um, from from you know almost day one. And in two thousand seven, uh, in fact, um, I think we went through. I hired and well, I fired over twenty contractors, um, and I think primarily that was my fault. Of, I think what it comes down to was that I was paying people too much, and so no one could live up to my expectations for that level of salary. Um, and there were a lot of good people that that had I paid them less money would have been around a lot, lot longer. So as a, I guess as a, as a company right now, what do you believe was some of the most important factors getting you guys started um, and, and being important to where you are today? Like what are some of the most important decisions you guys made early on that got you today to where you're at? All right. So in all seriousness, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things that, that really made me comfortable with Alan and makes the relationship really, really work is that he gives really good head. <laughs> Adam's just sitting there pissed. Adam's like, I don't want to edit this thing that much. <laughs> I'm just gonna have like five minutes of material. All right, I'm not gonna I'll edit do- it at all. I'm gonna leave it in there. It's, it's, oh, it's wow. up to you guys, you know. Hey, leave it. <laughs> Leave it. Leave it. But on a serious note, I mean, there's lots of people who are listening to this podcast right now that uh, admire you guys. Look at you know, they you guys have less they coffee. Have no, or... they shouldn't. No, sure definitely they not. I mean, you guys no, are absolutely not. No, we're we're we're, we're not special. We're you know we're we're just like everybody else. What 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 makes us special? I mean, yeah, we're creative and we're smart, but you know, I mean, Alan happens to be one of the best in design. I happen to be you know. Top notch in rails, um, and so so sure that that's a little bit special. But what makes us special is being together, and the um, the that when we're together, we're a million times better than we are when when it's either one of us individually uh, or with any other partner. One of the things I recognized early on with Alan was that he was the best collaborator I had ever had by far. Let, let me let me bring it up so I have understanding. Steve is peanut butter, and I'm chocolate. Now, they're both individually very tasty, but when you can mix them together, it's absolutely delicious. Does that make more sense? But, you know, I mean, I, I don't think that, you know, necessarily people should be admiring us. You know, I think people could, I think it's great if, if, if we inspire someone to, to risk and to do something great on their own. I think that's fantastic, but, you know... Ad- admiration. I mean, you know, who cares, right? I mean, you know, ultimately, we, we you know, if somebody um, reads our blog or, or talks to us at a conference or at an event or whatever, you know, we really just want them to to do something great. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I hope we inspire people to to risk because I think most people, certainly a lot of the people I've met, have the potential to do something great. Yeah. Um, and 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 they can do you know what we, I mean. And let's face it, we're, you know we're not terribly successful. We're not we're not um, you know rolling in the money. We're not you know. I mean, sure, Jason Freed calls us for advice. Um, that happens you know regularly. Seth Godin constantly plagiarizes our blog. Constantly. Yeah, right. And, and and you know sometimes he'll ask us to proofread his posts. You know, I mean, um, we actually um, I probably shouldn't say this, but. Um, you know, the first time Gary V heard the expression "crush it," it was from Alan. 
Oof, right. Lord, I, mean, uh, yes. I mean, Alan would just say it occasionally oh. um, because he used to crush beer cans between his boobs. And he would like <laughs> that. He would analogize that as to crushing it in the workplace. And then your your and, you know, Gary V ran with it, which is great. You know, we, we inspired him. And that's that's all we really hope. You know, at, at the end of the day, you know, if we can inspire somebody, we think that's fantastic. Um, but as far as being admired, I think that's I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll let I, I guess we'll let history, you know, be the determining factor for that. So unless everything is primarily a prize company, is that kind of how things got started? I think I wasn't sure that you actually started less accounting before less everything truly kicked off. So yeah, Alan had a list of, of ideas. Uh, it was about 12 items long of ideas that could be a profitable website, web app. And we, we went over the list together, and one of them was an expense tracker. And I had had a similar idea for an expense tracker. So that seemed to be a good fit for something we had both been playing with mentally for, for at least a little while. And that expense tracker um, became less accounting. I guess as a company, starting off with a product and doing consulting work, what, uh, what role did your clients play in it as helping you build this business? Was it, was it something that you truly loved? Oh, uh, let, let, me, t- let me check this one. Here's what the clients did. They were VCs. They didn't know it. And we have just now, I feel like, coming to like, where we have a good understanding of what we're doing. Like, I feel like there's been a lot of good practice. So, so let's just pause and recognize that Alan wanted to say the line that they were our VCs and they didn't even know it. But where did you get that? Where did you hear that, Alan? Um, I don't even remember. Uh, that was my line, bitch. Oh, really? You don't well, remember you know what that? I came up with I came up with same difference. In 1988, <laughs> I was saying same difference. <laughs> right, right. Oh, you guys are awesome. Well, supposedly you are. Supposedly? Did you say supposedly? <laughs> I think Adam is mentally exhausted. No, that. no, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. And I, I think it's important that you guys are yourself. And I, why? Who am I to try and put you guys in a box? You know what I mean? I hate, I hate boxes. I don't like I'm, boxes either. I only put people put me in boxes, and I know, but you like it when I put my thing in your box. Oh boy, let's go away <laughs> from that subject. And let's talk about something more important here. Let's talk about family. How important? How important is family to both you guys? And how do you balance building this awesome company, doing the conferences, doing the web apps? How do you balance all of that and spending quality time with your family? Yeah, there's no balance. There's no balance. Yeah. There's no balance. It's it's everything's in a panic. Everything's you know is is fire engine mode. When uh, when when the family has needs, you take care of the family's needs, and then you go back to work. No, there's no balance. You know, I mean, uh, you know, surely strive it, for it. Yeah, strive for it. Right. I mean, and, you know, in the in this last year, you know, we're certainly taking weekends off, which was kind of new for us. You know, and it was you know we sometimes take evenings off. Like, hey, I'm gonna go play with the kids. Um, but, you know, in the first year, you know, I mean, so in 2007, I worked 4,400 hours. Wow. Yeah, which is like, you know, more than two years worth of work for, you know, an 40-hour hour work week, right? And so, I, you know, I mean, there is a balance. I mean, we're being, we're being flippant when we say there is no balance, right? I mean, you know, our families are very important to us. Um, we, we, we work really hard on, on not neglecting them and, 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 taking care of them. You know, um, I, I, I recently been divorced and so it's been hard because now when, you know, Alan, Alan kind of has it easy because he can always tell Anna, Hey, take, take, you know, get, get the kids out of here so I can, I can keep working or I'm on the phone or something. Whereas when, when I have my kids, I no longer have a wife to, to help out in that manner. So, so for me, it's, it's definitely more when, when my kids, when I have my kids, which I have them about almost half of the time, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm more, uh, it's it's it, it, I, I'm required more to stop work to, to attend to the kids more often than than Alan is at this point. Um, so yeah, I mean there there is a balance. How do you strike that balance? I I don't know. You know I, I don't know if there's an answer for that. You know you do what's important and and hopefully you know your your family is high on your list of important things. Um, you don't sleep and you you work really hard and you work. You know one of the, the nice things about Alan is as a designer. You know he. Um, he can he can do you know what would literally take someone else you know three weeks to do he can do in a week you know easily right and then that's you know front front to back every bit of the design and UI process um, 
And so when you look at that kind of speed, right, you can get things done faster. I mean, I I don't want to. I literally launched a site during this interview. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's up there. So as a company, you guys have been distributed most of the time, right? Like you'd mentioned that you hadn't even met each other when you first got started. So the whole entire time, less everything has been less everything. You guys have been distributed both contractors as well as now employees. How, How do you keep synergy? How do you keep collaboration? What do you guys do? What is your secret sauce in terms of collaborating and um, communicating and all these good things that truly make companies culture and vibe, you know, kind of personal interactions and you guys yes. kind of do it digitally. So, so the difference between sitting in the same room with someone and video chatting with someone is almost nothing, right? Um, or at least sitting in separate offices, right? Adjacent offices uh, and video chatting with someone is almost nothing. So, um, I think we, it's I think it's sometimes better because well, you can hang up the video chat and go back and to leave, work, right? And right, defuse, exactly. and defuse uh, situations or get right. back to work. So it's it's quicker to end conversations. You know, if I'm going to come into your office and chat with you, I'm going to bring a cup of coffee and you know, right? Well, we well, for example, you know, we have a guy uh, in Europe uh, named Eugene who's been with us um, since 2007, um, our, our longest uh, employee, and um, he um, the first time I met him was last year in Scotland in February. And, um, you know, when we met each other, finally, I was surprised because he was a little bit taller than I thought he was going to be. And that's it. Right. Besides that, it was just like, hey, how's it going? You know, I mean, video chat really is a a lot closer to being there than, you know, and it's far, far from being on the telephone with someone. So the telephone is, is, you know, a a pretty poor um, communications tool in regards to building rapport and building relationships. Um. So, so I think for us, video chat has been the, the, uh, and, the and like so. I, there, I went back and forth with someone about how they only hire locally, mm-hmm. and so when we were doing consulting work, uh, this was a year or two ago, I guess. And the person was like, "Well, I only hire local people. Clients want to have local people." I said, "Well, you know, what if I told your client? I said, hey, this guy we're competing with for this job, you know, he pulls from a much smaller a talent pool than what we do." They would say, well, I want you to pull from the biggest talent pool possible. Mm-hmm. And, and the really good developers and, and designers, why do they want to move to a location and sit in an office? The vast majority do not want to. No. Right? So you're going to pull from probably not the best people, and you're going to force them all to be in an office where they're all going to jerk and jack. And, you know, you can hear the, th- the 37 signals guys will go on and on about that and how offices are terrible or whatever. But I, I, I think there's too many advantages to being uh, virtual. Uh, and, and when, when Steve and I get in the same room, we're either a joking or b fighting, right? And, and the, you know the other the other reality along that line is that the best people don't have to move because there's plenty That's of what opportunity I thought you for just that. Said. Well, you said the bigger the talent pool, but I'm saying you know no, the, I said it my, my, my my point is that people that are willing to move right probably aren't as high a caliber as those that are unwilling to move. Well, it may, maybe it lends itself to people that are younger. And have no children and no roots, right? So uh, maybe, maybe that's the difference. Maybe it has more to do with how established they are and how much have their roots down or their willingness to move. Maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, obviously, we haven't thought too much about it. We don't really care. Yeah. I think it's an important point to make because, you know, just this is the Which same. Point? Well, the, the important point is, is that you don't have to move to go into a good job or you don't have to have people move to you to have good employees or have good people do good work for you. I mean, I've been a remote worker, I guess, is a is quote unquote for uh, contracting, running my own company. I've been remote in every sense of the word since 2006. So I've never known actually. Now, to- I mean, maybe we've been doing this for so long, but I don't even get why people are interested in this anymore. You know, who gives a f- if you're remote, if you're not remote, right? I mean, ultimately, the things that matter are what can you do. What can you do? Right. Right. Absolutely. So, so my dad had an engineering firm. He was um, uh, he had degrees as a structural and civil engineer, and he had an engineering firm where he, where it was his company. He ran it solely for you know, like since I was a kid until he retired, right? Twenty, thirty something years, right? And I remember, you know, in my teenage years. When, you know, he'd be bitching about this employee or that employee. And, and, you know, when he would interview somebody, people would come in with these resumes and with this and that. And, and, and you know, all he really cared about was what can you do? You know, he didn't care about degrees. He didn't care about, 
you know, the, the, the big names or the small name companies you work for. It was what can you do? And, and I think that, that that's been our primary focus when we've looked to hiring people and look is, is, you know, that's the only thing that matters. What can you do? And does your personality match with our personality so that we can do it together? Well, we do test projects too now. Yeah. How do you, so you do a little, you do a little test project? Like, yeah, if, yeah, oftentimes before someone comes to work for us, we'll give them like a, a you know, a, a 40 hour or so Rails app to build from the scratch. Um, and um, and just see how the code looks. See what it was like working together during that week. See, and see really, we don't give them a design too. So I want to see how. No, I mean we're not hiring developers that should be UI designers, but they should have some UI sense to know how to put a, a sign up page in and know how to log in page and book and right. what settings page should look like. If they can't figure that out, then we certainly don't want to hire them. That's interesting. What's uh, what's been, I guess, the response from that from the developer and you know how many people have you actually hired? Or not hired, I guess, from that from doing that test. I mean, it we, certainly drops the pool down, but some people will say, "I don't want to do that." But it, it gives you the people that really want to work for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that um, you know, they're, 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 what we found is that because of our you know whatever level of success is that there are a certain number of people that actually want to work for us as opposed to just want a job. Um, and so I think that they, they tend to be a little bit more willing. But we've actually found some really, really f- top-rate people doing that, um, top-notch people, and, and been really happy with them. I think with John, we had like five people build it or something. Yeah, and we and we picked John out of them all, and he was he was phenomenal. Well, yeah. one reason was uh, you know Steve showed me the application he built, and he said, "What UI stuff did you change?" And I said, "Well, besides you know colors and spacing and things, not really much." Yeah, yeah, um, and everything worked. You know, I mean, you know, he understood what the features were and he could build them. And you know, I mean, it's so. So we've had success with that. And speaking of creative relationships and choosing people based on how they can mesh well with you and your culture, you're you're both pretty prolific Twitter users, and uh, I want to riff on social interactions and services like Twitter and Facebook, and, and what kind of role they've played in your personal successes as well as your business success. Well, I mean, okay, so again, right, without tooting our horns, you know, um, we gave BizStone the idea for Twitter. Well, it was called Spitter at the time. Right, right. He changed it. We didn't see any money from it, you know. Um, uh, so, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, you know, this and that with Twitter because of that. But, I mean, ultimately, I mean, they, they did a great thing with it, you know, um, eventually. Mm. You, could, you could say that, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, little known thing. You know, they didn't show this in the movie, but um, you know, um, before um, Mark Zuckerberg wrote Facebook, you know, he uh, he talked to Alan about it. Yeah, well, the idea was Spacebook. It was a social network for aliens, right? Um, and he actually took that, made it a little more niche, you could say, catering it to Earth. Right. Uh, right. Terrible, terrible idea. Um, but he, but he pulled it off. Uh, you could, yeah, maybe. I mean, and is that where Love by Less came from? No, no. Let's talk about some open source for, for a second since we're on the riff of social networks. You guys, as an application development company uh, for clients, you've got approached numerous, numerous times about can you build this social network? And your answer was what? Yeah, so well, you. That's what it was. Yeah, so in 2007, our biggest request was, "Hey, I have five thousand dollars. Can you make me a social network that also does this other thing?" Right, and for five grand, they couldn't get a social network or the other thing. So what we, you know, I mean, obviously we had some bigger clients that that we did build social networks that did other things for. But what we wound up doing was in, in early 2008, we released an open source piece of software called Loved by Less, which is an open source social network built in Rails. And it's meant to be a starting platform for your application. Um, it's and, not the and, WordPress of social networks. No, no. It's just a starting point. And, um, and, and so that way these people could take that and they could you know, have a shot at building their application. And um, it's, um, you know, we, we, never, we never made any money from it other than you know, whatever kind of... Not um, directly. Not directly, right? I mean, certainly people have come to us because we built it and, and other people have... Have uh, you know we've gotten referrals and, and I guess we've gotten a certain amount of, of um, press because of it, but um, you know we never made any money directly from it, and we certainly didn't make it as as a money maker. Well, there's the there's the love by less groupies, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's really great. No, I mean, no, in all seriousness, let's be serious. Love by Less. I don't even want to talk fueled, about Love by Less. Who cares? Fueled our uh, consulting. This consulting. Uh, yeah, it did. Absolutely. I, absolutely. absolutely. It, I, it can directly point it back to we, we got the majority, which is, uh, you know, a million plus dollars by now. But on the flip side, the consulting company has forced us to not work on our products as much. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe Love by Less was the worst thing we ever did. But now, right. if you're consultancy, you should absolutely be releasing open source stuff. You should build, be building your own applications because if a client calls me, calls me, which we don't do client work anymore, but if a client calls me and says, oh, yeah, I'm looking at your, uh, at your stuff and I want to see your, other, your client work. I say, you're not looking at any of my past client work because it has all their opinions in it. And all you're going to see is a lot of their opinions and you might judge me on their bad opinions. Look at our applications. So when they look at our applications, I say, see how great they are. Why would you trust another company that can't even build their own applications for themselves to build your application? Exactly. Right. Don't, don't ever choose a consulting company to build an application for you that doesn't have their own application in production. It's that's, like saying, I'm going to hire a golf coach that's never picked up a golf club. Or it's a golf, say, it's a golf coach who's only ever played putt-putt, right? Who's never actually got out on the green, right? Who's never, who's never got on, on the tour, right? That's, that's good points. I enjoy those points a lot. Alan, um, I guess this is more directed with you, but Stephen, I'm not sure how much uh, what role you played in this, but Alan, your, your brother John um, suffers from Lyme disease. And earlier this year... Uh, now, are you just bringing this up because you know I'm not going to make a joke about it? Because that's yeah. really not fair. No, no, not at all. I think, you know, I think this, is an, this is an important topic to talk about. I think the campaign that... that all right, so before we get into for. that, let, let, let's, let's finish the answer with Twitter, right? So the reality is that um, we're distributed and all our friends are distributed, right? All our friends are all around the world. We meet them... We meet them at conferences. We meet them all over the place, and we use Twitter extensively to keep in touch and to build these friendships and relationships. And we use Twitter to communicate with our clients, um, uh, our, our the customers of Less Accounting. You know, just the other day, somebody tweeted about they were having a problem with Less Accounting, and and I replied to them. They they called me. They sent me an email. I asked for their phone number. Um, the guy called me up, and turned out he was reading the calendar wrong. Right? No big deal. Right? But we use that stuff all the time to communicate with people and as an interaction tool. So um, Twitter has been a great source of um, connection for us and getting the word out. Um, you know, we, we both have a few followers, so um, you know, we, we, we tend to get you know, people who, who will retweet our stuff and who will um, help get the word out. You know, I, I can't emphasize enough how, how making real relationships and real connections and then you use Twitter to to continue to grow them when you're in faraway places, and then you get together once or twice a year, and you see these people. Um, it, it's tremendous. But it, it is a tool, and if you're just not good at Twitter or you don't get it, it's not going to save your business. You don't have to be on there. It's not. I'm not a big. Uh, I don't prescribe to the snake oil that a lot of people are selling that you have to have a Twitter account or a Facebook account. Uh, if you have nothing to say, like, don't don't say anything. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, don't don't know. try to mimic other people that are on Twitter, right? Don't don't be a robotic RSS feed, right? Don't retweet everything. Yes, you actually wrote a good uh, post in your blog uh, titled "Your Twitter Stream Sucks," which probably points out a lot of the. Well, Adam, it was actually I should just you you, I should just sent you an email. Um, yeah, it's actually supposed to be just. For do you. Do you even follow Adam anymore? Because I haven't followed Adam in. See, here's long the long. problem with Adam's tw- Twitter account. A year ago, he was exciting and fun and peppy and I, he was a joy but right. over the past year he's become less interesting he doesn't tweet as much he's not around all you hear about is the podcast i want to hear about the kid his, his little daughter and how they're going to the park and how they're eating ice cream i want to know yep. what he's working on i want to know what articles he finds interesting but he stopped doing it Right, and he turned into an RSS feed that's just like an advertisement. Yeah, I kind of read that blog post and got convicted. I was like, man, that's I, I fall into some of these categories. No wonder why they don't follow me anymore. It, it stopped being a conversation, and Adam just started broadcasting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we can all tend to fall in traps like that just for our own reasons or life reasons. Life's, life's hard. Life isn't fair. Life is hard. There's things that happen that you can't really make excuses about, and things happen. Um, and I think it's an important point. I did turn into some of those things, and I was convicted when I listened, uh, when I read your blog post. So 
Um, all I can say is I'll strive harder. I'll, I'll do my best to, to kick it back up a notch and be more exciting and get back into those zones. Well, do but, be- but don't. Just be yourself, right? Uh, you course, by yourself yeah, always is myself. an exciting person. You're always energetic. You always have something nice to say, right? Just be yourself, you know? You don't have to have to, you know, be somebody else or, or get back into it. Just be yourself. Absolutely. But it does take it takes effort, right? It, it takes effort take to effort. post things, it takes effort to read things, it takes effort to reply. I'm not, I'm following Adam. I had to double check because I haven't heard from him in such a long time. But I actually am following Adam still. So let's let's move on to to, to the question I was asking about uh, your brother John. Because we yes. we've this is all stemming from that previous question, which is, you know, right. what role did that play? What role did Twitter play? And what role does social networks and interactions on social networks play for you guys? So, Alan, you know, this is primarily positioned towards you, but your brother John suffers from Lyme disease. Earlier this year, he had slipped into a coma and his health took a serious turn for, for what could have been the worst. He needed some serious medical help. It uh, was actually more like 18 months ago. No, it was, uh, no, no, no. January. Beginning of this year. Yeah, January oh, was of this it? year. Okay. Okay. Um, I just want, you know, whatever you can share, can you talk about the campaign you started on Twitter? Uh, I'm not sure if it ended up on Facebook or not, but pretty much you just reached out to your friends. So, yeah. So my brother, my parents have health insurance and, uh, he had, he's been, he's, he got infected with Lyme about a year and a half ago. Well, no, two years ago, two years ago. That's what I'm saying. And, uh, the, the medical bills, uh, the, we're in the South and the South doesn't know much about Lyme disease. They think it's not here. So whenever he would go to the doctor here, where he would have issues, he would, they would say, "Oh, it's the psychiatric issues." When really they're trying to, it's really Lyme, and he's been tested positive for Lyme. And he's gone to Lyme doctors, but can't go to them regularly because they're far away and it costs lots of money. My parents have health insurance, so over the course of two years, they had they had they had like two hundred thousand dollars in, in medical bills on over what the insurance would cover. And, uh, and my parents are small business owners; they own car washes. Um, and so I guess January of last year, he started slipping into a coma, got hospitalized in Panama City, and they basically were almost stopped, almost had stopped treating him. They said, he is, he's schizophrenic, he's in a schizophrenic coma. My parents are saying, we just need to get him to New York. Well, we're not going to release him unless uh, you know, he has a, an air flight, and the air flights cost like $15,000. And my parents were- Medical air flight, right. Medical air flight. So they're like, because he's basically completely out of it. And he was sitting in this hospital for like 18 days, you know, not eating and, and just withering away. And so uh, my parents are just leveraged to the bone. And, uh, and uh, so I was at a conference and, and we were both at a conference. We were at Social Fresh in Tampa. And Steve said, hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we just put a PayPal link up and said, Alan's brother and family needs help. Can you donate a dollar? Can you donate five bucks? Right. And, and Alan, Alan didn't want to do it at first. Uh, you know, well, Alan's, Alan's not the type of person to go out and ask for money and, and ask you know for, for that kind of assistance. And then I really pushed and I said, hey, you know what? This is exactly what our friends are for. This is exactly the type of thing that, that we, we can use our website and our, um, you know, our, our, I mean, I don't want to say popularity, but, you know, our, our reach or whatever word you want to use, right? Um, and and then Alan said okay, and I put something up, and then Alan made it look pretty, and then we just started tweeting about it. I think it was one or two tweets, and um, yeah, I, it was. And, well, I, I was in a hotel room, and I tweeted the link out, and uh, like went to the bathroom, and came back, and it was like within two minutes, there was like twelve hundred bucks in it. And Adam, you were the first person. I mentioned that before. I'll never forget that. You were the first person to donate. You donated practically instantly. And mm-hmm. I, I, I will never forget that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so within, uh, I think, you know, after a week or so, there was about 50 grand with donations in there. And most of these were $10 and $20 and $500 and just across the board. Yep. Now, most people, I, I, I don't know who they are. My parents have gone out and, and sent thank you notes and replies to these people since then. But um, it, and it certainly was much bigger than us and our popularity and who we know. Uh, it's, it's, you know, when my little brother's uh, friends in high school threw like a little uh, uh, fundraisers for him and, and a bowling tournament for him, you know, just all sorts of stuff to really pitch in. And uh, and they got him to New York, and he's back doing much better now. He still has a lot of issues, but uh, he's certainly on the right path and seeing the right doctors. And the money did absolutely help. And it was absolutely the most humbling experience you could act, ever imagine. 
seeing people that have that, that appear to have no money donate is more than they should, and uh, and and people you don't even know donating and retweeting and thank yous and and thoughts and prayers. And it was just it was amazing, and still is, and still is amazing. And so, how has that changed your life? That that moment in time. I'm certain it wasn't the. Tw- I don't know if it was the Twitter things or just um, maybe his issues in general. But I'm certainly I think I'm more compassionate than I used to be um, for people that are in those kind of circumstances. Um, my my dad has since um, the, the current washes are doing better now. His business is doing better. He's donating money to Lyme um, funds and charities now uh, and helping people get find the right doctors and that sort of stuff. But um. Uh, you know, uh, compassion and, uh, you know, just in general, you know, when you have a, when your brother goes into a coma, it, you just feel helpless and, uh, you just realize how shitty the world is. And like, you just want to hug your kids and never let them go. And, uh, and, and just spend more time with them and realize that work is not that important. And we're just doing it to make a living so we can spend more time with our families. So I guess the, the biggest motivator for you guys is just to be able to provide for your families and spend time for your families. Is that safe to say? Yeah. And money for bitches. Like you. Like me. Yep. The biggest one. Sorry nope. to bring up such a, a, uh, yeah, uh, no, that, that I, topic I gonna, touched me. How because am I going to make a gay joke now? You can't make a gay joke. I know. It's, it's impossible. But you know, I love both you guys deeply. You guys, well, that, but that's just because John's friends. not gay. I mean, you know, you can still make gay jokes about you and Adam. Oh, okay. Okay. But okay, so and another, another question might Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, so like, how did all this happen? It happened because uh, I, I've, I've been uh, friendly to people on Twitter and met people at conferences and kept up those relationships. Mm-hmm. So I certainly, you can't, you can't. You know, starting a movement or starting a campaign, whatever you want to call it, is maybe a little egotistical. But you know, the fuel was there for the fire. I didn't create all the fuel, you know. But I, there's certainly, you know, you were my friend. You felt compelled to help me. You know why? Why? Why did you feel compelled to help me? Uh, because we're friends, right? Because you feel like you know me, I know you, and, and I would help you in the same situation. So yeah, Absolutely. I couldn't even imagine being in that situation. And I knew that whatever I can give, whenever I can give it, was, was you know, by God's grace that I have it. So I, I felt compelled to give it to you. And you're, I, I love you guys. You guys are my good friends. So whatever I could have done, it was, it was on the table. Thank you. But uh, let, let's move on from that for a moment. Let's talk about uh, two more things, two more main topics I want to talk about. Uh, the biggest thing is we know what less accounting is now. It's it's um it's your your primo application. It's the bread and butter of your business. It, uh, from what I understand, it accounts for about half of your revenue. Um, but there's there's something that hasn't been discussed yet, really. And I'm not sure if you've talked about talked about this publicly or in depth. But there's a bigger fish in the in the pond, which is QuickBooks. Uh, starting out with an application like that, how did you feel going towards? Did you ever feel like you were competition to them? What has this bigger animal in the in the pond, I suppose you say, what has it been for you guys in, in developing less accounting? Well, I mean, they've been our inspiration. If if they hadn't sucked so badly, we would never have built less accounting. And less accounting is uh, less accounting is about four, almost five years old now, since it's pre less everything kind of. Um, well, but it, w- yeah, it was launched in, in like April or May of 2007. And how is that, how has less accounting morphed over time? How has it changed? Has it been a different application each time or has it just like naturally, um, organically evolved? Uh, well, certainly redesigns happen. We make features better. We listen to users. We don't listen to users. We we're constantly making things more elegant, easier to use. I think now we figured out a few things like uh, we're trying to make less accounting not only a, not only throw you some features, but we're, our job is really to make your life as a business owner all the business stuff, the, the book stuff. We're trying to make that as easy as possible on you uh, and, and hand holding and that sort of stuff because you just want to get back to work and, and you're a designer, you're a coder, whatever. Uh, uh, you run an e-commerce site, you don't want to spend your time on your books, and, and we're kind of figuring out how to explain that better. Most people have no idea what bookkeeping is and we're having to teach them what bookkeeping is in the same process of, of uh, showing these features to them. You can't just dump a user in and say, 
you know, it's not, I mean, Basecamp, right? Here's some features, go use them. Well, project management really, for most people, doesn't have, there's no, there's best practices, but there's no governing, government body telling you how you should kind of report back to them with your, you know, uh, project management app. Right. So we have some stuff to adhere to um, uh, for government reasons and that sort of thing. But uh, I, th- I think we're just now kind of figuring out, wrapping our head around what the users need just now. And I guess as part of this campaign to raise awareness and get in a limelight like you did with, uh, uh, I guess, somewhat with Love by Less, you, you kind of got a little taste of it there. But you also created this website called WeAllHateQuickBooks.com, which essentially pulls tweets from Twitter about people who are complaining about their experiences with uh, QuickBooks. What, what has that done for less accounting? Sure, I'll talk is about that, so, is that important. I mean, I, I think it yeah, was well, back it, in the day. I'm not sure how much it plays into the success yeah, now, but it's kind of a cool scenario to say, here's an easy way to raise awareness about something else everybody hates, and here's how we solve your problems. Right. So I guess it was like 2008 or something. Uh, Twitter was new. Uh, I was searching for QuickBooks on Twitter to see, see people saying, and uh, it was all just terrible things. QuickBooks crashed again. I hate QuickBooks, blah, blah. And I thought, wow, these are great testimonials uh, uh, for QuickBooks. And, uh, and so I uh, talked to Steve, and we basically built an app in a few hours where it pulls in every word, any tweet that says QuickBooks from Twitter. And it, it was using the, uh, still uses the API, not because there was no RSS feed around uh, for Twitter. And, uh, and, and it brought up a lot of, we got a lot of links. People thought it was funny and hilarious and unique and ballsy. And uh, we would kind of go after QuickBooks. We showed good and bad tweets. Uh, but since then, uh, Intuit has put people on Twitter responding to tweets. And, and people have figured out that Twitter, you can put out links that say, you know, affiliate links and that sort of thing. So we all have QuickBooks now. The content of it uh, is more spammy. You know, if we really wanted to push the app further, we would, kind of uh, cultivate or, or curate the tweets to make sure they are negative tweets. Um, but we haven't done that. It, it gave us a lot of great links for about six months, and we still probably get 20 or 30 clicks a month from it. I guess the, the point I want to extract from that really is, you know, how did that relate to um, new users and signups and ultimately revenue? Right. Well, we have no money, right? So uh, you don't, you, we can't go buy booth space. We can't go buy banner ads. We can't travel around to a lot of conferences. We try to travel as much as we can. So, we have to use the tools and the constraints that we have in front of us. And we know how to write code and design things. And we are willing to do things that uh, are a little controversial. So uh, that's how I saw you heard the reason why it was interesting. So we just built it and that's, that's our form of marketing, right? Um, we don't have money to spend on traditional advertising. And is that kind of where the idea for LessConf came from too? Is it, is it something that you actually believe would turn into this phenomenal conference? Like, for, for me, all I can say is wow about Les Conference. I think it was phenomenal. I didn't make it out this year, but uh, I did make it out to 2009's Les Conf. And I can honestly look back at uh, at that moment in time and see it as a significant turning point for me in, in so many ways. It's when I got really excited about uh, the Web 2.0 show, which is kind of where Founders Talk came from, from what I extracted from what I loved about doing that show. Can you guys talk a little bit about that, that conference and what key things happened to take it from idea to execution? Sure. So uh, Steve had had the idea to throw a conference for, for a year or two, and I kept saying, no, 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 we need to build the application, we need to do client work, blah, blah, blah. And I went to a small conference in Tampa called Front End Design Comp, uh, 100 people, uh, one track, lots of good conversation, and, uh, and came back and said, we need to do this. And uh, Steve said, okay, do it. And so uh, I said, let's do it this fall. And so we had seven weeks to plan it and throw it. And we, uh, we picked, like, oh, it was October 16th, and it was seven weeks away, and we started promoting it through Twitter and to our friends, and our friends showed up. And, um, and, and throwing conferences is hard. It's, I mean, you can certainly make money from it if you do it very lean. It's just like, it's just, it's just like any business. If you do it lean enough, uh, you, you can make money from it. Um, and we do ours very lean. It's very much Steve and I uh, and our friends getting together and talking and having some speakers. Has it been profitable for you? Uh, n- the second one was. The first one I think we broke even on. I need to uh-huh. look at the numbers. Yeah, but uh, it certainly has been great marketing for us and, and building our brand more and getting to know more people and 
and hearing great speakers. But we, we built a conference that we'd want to go to. And uh, some people, uh, you know, the, the websites are silly. We have silly themes and they don't make sense. And if, if the, the website's too silly for you, then you probably shouldn't come because you're not going to like how silly we are on stage, right? So, so. What's the plan with Less Conference? Is it uh, 2011? Are we going to do one this year? Oh, certainly. So we have uh, Less Conf 2011 BC, Be There or Be Extinct, coming up in April, late April 2011. I'm not going to give the date yet, um, but uh, we're going to release that in January. Atlanta. We're going to do Atlanta again. We have a very cool venue there that has like a 8 megabit speed up and like 30, no, 36 up and 86 down is their internet speed. So uh, most conferences have really crappy internet, and ours has the best. And also massages, too. Is that still a, a common thing that's going to happen every year, the massages and the... Massages and lots of free T-shirts and books. hopefully a couple of books and uh, lunch with the speakers. If you were the first people to sign up, you get to pick your table with the speaker and sit with them and talk to them one-on-one. Well, 10 people at a table... Uh, 11 kind of a speaker, but uh, yeah, totally. Lots of good conversation. Very informal. Um, yeah. All right. One last question for you guys. And we'll wrap this up. I know it's a, it's a longer show, but uh, is there anything that I, Steven, I talked to you yesterday and you mentioned something super secret. So that's why I'm asking this question specifically just because of that. Is there anything that, that you guys are working on that's super secret that you haven't told anybody else about that you can announce right here today on the show? Mm. No, we're not going to, I mean, we can announce that we're working on something super secret. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. You want to guess, Adam? I have no guesses. Oh, well, then your audience is going to pay the price. Yep. And it's going to be your fault. You're going to be responsible for that because you didn't take a guess. Well, all right, guys. Well, since there's nothing super secret, I guess that's about it. You know, we've been friends for a long time. I, Whether you like it or not, I admire you guys in business. I admire what you guys have done for our community with Less Conference, with your your um, your personalities, your relentless um, pursuit of being true and being real. I, I really appreciate that tenacity in that, in that regard, and I appreciate you guys coming on the show. What about our looks? I love your looks. I, that goes without saying. I don't think I had to mention that specifically thank you i appreciate that but on a serious note thanks for coming on the show it's been a pleasure thank you adam thanks again to our sponsors and eventapart.com and campaignmonitor.com please visit 5x5.tv to learn more about all the other shows that we produce 